welcome to episode 61 of Book Off Banter. This week, we are joined by an amazing guest. It was absolutely incredible to speak to her. She was so, so interesting. Um, so what we thought is that we would record our news and just a little bit of um, stuff that's going on in the horse world. Basically, we didn't want to bore her. Well, I mean, we're going to bore you, but <laughs> about our, about the misery of our lives. My life has been really miserable. Um, <laughs> did I tell you last episode that I said to Ben, I have no joy left in my heart? <laughs> And now it's a standing joke that when anything happens, <laughs> him and Carla say, do you have any joy in your heart, Katie? And I'm like, no, I have no joy left. <laughs> yeah, I felt a bit like that this week as well. So I'm right with you, I'm afraid. I'm right with you. Shall I start? It's not really that. It's not horsey. Yeah. I'm going to pre-warn you all. It's not horsey. Um, so poor Henry. It's mostly about Henry. Um, so... Henry's had a bit of a tough time at school. He's had a bit of problems with another um, boy in his class, which has ended up giving him like an upset tummy. And it's not kind of one of those where he's like pretending he's got a sore tummy because he doesn't want to go to school. He's had a really upset tummy, but I think it's literally just because he's so stressed. So I decided that I was going to keep him off. I mean, I had to keep him off because he had a really upset tummy, but I I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to give him like a mental health few days, okay? Took him down to my granny's. He loves to to go and see my granny. Um, And she made Henry some pasta. And Henry ran into the back of her when she had the pan of boiling hot pasta. And so basically, Henry got a pan of boiling hot water tipped over his chest which led to a visit to the Burns unit, which was actually the same Burns unit that I mentioned that my, the same granny had just visited not that long ago. Um, so, I mean, shout out to the RVI Burns unit where we're absolutely rinsing you at the minute. Frequent, um, frequent flyer card yeah. required. <laughs> <laughs> but what made it really funny, and I thought, oh my God, I must, I must mention this on the podcast. So like my granny's sister, her grandson, I don't know what that would make him to me, some sort of far-flung relative anyway he was staying with my granny and he is an actor and he was in like a um a thing at the theater royal and so he was staying with my granny and we don't know him like at all my granny does but like I've never clapped eyes on him before he had just come down and was sitting at the breakfast table like eating a bit of toast and we're all making like polite small talk like "Ah, you know we're all normal here we're all very civilized and the next thing, like, there's a plate flying through the air. Henry is, like, screaming. And I just went into, like, you know, and it's like, what are you like in a crisis? I just was, like, became, like, a sergeant major in a crisis. And I was, like, get in yeah. the shower! Get in the shower! And Henry was, like, I can't, it hurts too much. I was, like, get in the shower! <laughs> like... <laughs> forcing him along and then I like cold host him down like a horse and then came down the stairs and I was like to my granny he needs to go to hospital now and my granny was like in total shock and she was just flapping about and I was like in the car in the car <laughs> like it was only that night when things had gone down I just thought then we literally so we ran out the house we left him still nobody even acknowledged that he was there anymore like We'll be back in a minute. Nothing. Just left like your man, sat at the table, eating his slice of toast. Just like, what the actual fuck has just 
Okay, Tia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know anything to say about it. Not because I don't know anything to say, other than obviously poor Henry and poor you. I mean, like, major stress, major stress, like and a very horrible thing. Burns are awful. But other than that, I don't have anything to say because I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like, I watch life go past me in episodes like this now. I'm like, right, yeah, obviously. Okay. You, you know, I don't know. I think it's like adrenal fatigue or something. We spent so long being so fucked up about so much stuff that we've got nothing left to give to anything anymore. And now we're just like, oh, there's a fire. Oh, oh my no. God, my I car feel... has rolled off a cliff into the sea. Grand. Never mind. I'll just get a bus then. You know, like it's. I so, I, I feel that so, so much. Like, and I wouldn't have probably been able to describe it, but that is exactly what I am like right now. And like, people will be like, oh my God, that's awful. And I kind of just think, I said to Ben, I'm at a point of, I'm just like rolling with the punches right now. I'm just like, eh, whatever. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, a bit less whatever when he got a pan of boiling water tipped over him. But um, I did actually though, one more quick thing. I did have a, an argument because really, I mean, you shouldn't be picking a fight with me in the fettle that I'm in with all this shit going on. Um. And I was hacking pancake to decompress after, you know, all this shit going wrong. And I didn't want to <laughs> I love it. Pancake. I love that you were hacking the loopiest fucking horse in the place <laughs> to decompress. If that's not an advertisement for what's wrong here, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, I decided I couldn't flat him because I would like likely kill him or myself. So I was like, do you know what? Let's, let's go for a hack. Yeah. So went for a hack. And pancake, he's actually he's a really good hack. But like, you know, sometimes when they're they're tense because like say it was a noise or like it was quite a windy cold day and he just was quite hot sometimes all the time yeah (laughs) he was quite tense and hot and so a few cars had passed and they'd gone quite fast and he'd gone like a bit sort of you know that like rigid sort of and then this car went really really slow and wide and I swear I've talked about this on the podcast before I am so grateful to drivers when they go slow So this car went really wide and slow and I like nodded and smiled. And then I actually thought to myself, I think I nodded and smiled too early because I think she was like more level with me. So as she pulled back in, I nodded and smiled again. She pulls the car up, gets out the car, comes around and went, so you don't bother to fucking say thank you, do you not? And I'm like, oh God, oh no. I think exactly like you say, usually my temper would have been like, but I think because at the minute I'm just like, whatever. So I said, no, no, I did say thank you. I actually said thank you twice because I thought that you'd missed it the first time. So I said, thank you again. And she was like, you just think you can ride up this fucking road and don't bother acknowledging anybody. It's people like you that make people not bother with horse riders because you think you can just prance up and down, like effing and blind and like giving me this whole like thing. And then went to get back in my car. And I was like, no, no, you're not going to get back in your car. Like, just listen, because I did say thank you. And I was going to explain the reason I hadn't taken my hands off the rain like I would usually is because Pan was hot and that would kind of stress him out. But no, she was like having none of it. And so I I didn't, at that point, did slightly lose my temper. And as she told me to fuck off, I think I probably said something choice back. But it made me think lots of things. But... It's hard, isn't it? Because like you want to be really grateful and I am really grateful to people who go really slow. But then like, if you're being passed by like 50 riders, uh, drivers on a road, you're gonna like 
get repetitive strain injury. Like, and also if you're on anything that's like young or tense, it's, it's sometimes more dangerous. And so like a nod and a smile is brilliant, but then actually do these do drivers see that? Like, especially when they're coming from behind. I don't know. I, I actually just feel quite sorry for you there because to be, to be honest, like she got out of the car, which is pretty confrontational. Yeah. Like, why did she have such a problem with you? Even if you hadn't said thank you, it's not worth pulling your car over, potentially causing an accident and having a tantrum about it. So she must have been having, let's just hope, she was having a very bad day. And um, she got I'm a bit sleepy you. with it. Let's just, Twister, I hoped, I hoped so. slightly different things to that. They were worse. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's it was a bit attacky, wasn't it? really and then not prepared to listen to you like why not give you the benefit of the doubt if you said yeah. you said thank you twice yeah why keep coming and then tell you to fuck off like what's up love are you like it's a real you okay hon moment isn't it yeah. <laughs> like, it's just... I should have put my head on the side shouldn't I have been like are you okay <laughs> I suppose as well like I I have I know some of what you're going on with at the minute as well and I'm like that was really really unpleasant like give a girl a fucking break like do you know what I mean <laughs> I know that was my relaxing hack so I came back and I was like obviously stotting raging by this point like I made the mistake of mentioning it in front of Henry who's more confrontational I think than me so he was like well that wasn't very kind of her to say I'm obviously I missed the fucks out but that wasn't very kind of her to say to you um I was like no you're right it wasn't but yeah it's hard though because like I I do see like if you think people aren't saying thank you that's not nice but like I kind of I think that we'll look in your rearview mirror then because if you had been you would have seen you know if it means that much to you so that's my little rant Krista yeah that sucks though. that sucks I mean what about you because yeah kind of like yourself up and down affair um bit of bother with Charlie with school as well um that we're navigating our way through um so yeah I mean yeah Less said soonest mended, hopefully. Um, so yeah, like Henry, he's been home, uh, which is the right thing for him. But at the same time, the wrong fucking thing for me. I'm like, Amen. <laughs> and everything else I need to do, yeah. Because Nile is really busy and he's away. And I'm like, how am I gonna make this work? So yeah, anyway, look, it's just it's temporary for us world problems, I suppose. Um my Rita Pony is flying. Um, I have to apologize. Actually, sorry, the, the la- we missed the last week's podcast uh, because we all had COVID. Um, I'm just about. But actually, over it. I mean, I... it worked out well for me because that was the night that Henry burned himself. I mean, well, my granny burned. Oh him. yeah. Okay. So actually, I would like I wouldn't have been able to record. So, but obviously not good for yeah, you. Yeah. So it was, it was fine. <laughs> No, and I was quite sick and then he got he got better very quickly. Um, I was it went straight to my chest because I'm one of those pathetic people that's asthmatic. And so like things, you know, one of those like weak chested, I don't know, I don't know <laughs> what the fucking term is. Um if you yeah, were so a horse, you'd chest, be on like so just tree bedding and soaking hay nets. <laughs> Fed's poor man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lasix. Um, so yeah, I I it kind of I, I couldn't record last week because coughing and wheezing. I, I've sort of stopped doing it now mostly. Um, but anyway, it's fine. I mean, look, we got off very lightly compared to some poor people. So, um, 
Yeah, so there was that. Um, Rita Pony has been doing really well. So she, around the COVID, she has been attending the local question centre, uh, unaffiliated leagues, um, running most of the time, which is great because it's cheap and it's near and it's good tracks and great facilities and nice people and honestly couldn't ask for better. But uh, yeah, pretty fucking made up, to be honest. I'm going very good at my 50 centimetres. Uh, moved up to 60 centimetres now. Uh, won a medal at my 50 centimetres, have to say. Are you all you idiots pursuing the Olympic dream? Is it going got in a medal toilet? for 50 centimetres. It's in the toilet. It's in the loo of interest. Yeah. Done. It's in there. Hanging on a picture frame. Yeah. So I've only I've got I've only got one one other medal. Uh, and I had to trek half a fucking marathon around Dublin to get that. So this is much better. Much less painful. Um and then the week we've moved up to uh to 60 now and that's going good. Yeah. Cantering around a track now. We're not just trotting anymore and holding my next job and crying. I'm actually cantering. Um so Rita's just she's just a joy. She's always goes well. She always just likes what she's doing and she's and you just more got her measured in haven't you yeah i got her measured in last weekend because of a, a young girl locally to me and I'm, she she rode her a couple of weeks ago and hopefully going to try and get get them together a bit more often so that she can try and do some some proper shows with her that's um, amazing so yeah hopefully but mostly i'm just enjoying being in the pony club again i suppose really <laughs> bear bear had her back injected and she's she's back on the go now um She's good. She's really good. She's just there, really. Molly then a bit more crappy news with that. So Molly had started head shaking last year. Initially, we thought it was allergies, and we we're in the process of treating her for that. And it kind of was going fine, but the episodes were becoming more and more frequent and more and more odd. Um, and then she had a break over the winter, and I brought her back into work. Um, and she doesn't really do it hacking. She doesn't do it in the stable and she doesn't do it in the field, but she does it when she's in the arena and being put under a little bit of pressure, put in a frame or whatever. She starts head shaking, but she's get, she's quite sharp as well the rest of the time. And this week now she started with a kind of like a new facial tick where she twists her nose constantly, repeatedly rubbing her top lip against the bottom lip. Okay. That started this week. So it looks a lot to me like it's not probably allergies. It's probably neurological and it's, worsening the bouts are becoming more frequent they're not responding the way they had done previously to um to treatment so she's going to the vets next week to have a few um additional checks and tests done that we haven't actually done yet but uh yeah but doom and gloom there so i got her a guardian mask i don't really think it's made any difference um so I'm not sure that it's anything to do with light either I don't know I just don't know I mean head shaking is a minefield and it's very difficult some people are lucky and the horses respond well and some horses just get worse and and I have a horrible feeling that she might be in the latter category which is very disappointing because she's one a phenomenal person uh and two a very very good horse like a properly good horse so we'll just see how it goes but yeah that was a bit doom and gloom unfortunately so I'll keep, um, keep my fingers crossed for Molly because she's so lovely. Oh my god, she's amazing! But equally, I just can't do it. I can't ride her when she's like, you know, she's head shaking and she's obviously not okay. Yeah. And I'm very strong on that. You know, it's fine yeah. to a healthy, fit horse that's able to do a job. It's fine to ask that horse a question, but when a horse is telling you that it's not okay, yeah, you know, I can't just pull through that and just be like, oh well, you know, you'll be fine. I just can't. And anyway, it's getting worse and eventually it's, you know, it's going to get to the stage where she has to 
to really turn around and say no fuck off I really can't do it and then it could get really unpleasant unnecessarily so hence she's not in work at this time and going to bed next week so anyway um yeah everything else is you know it's February and as I said um earlier we're just moving mud around we're just bringing in large quantities of mud from the field to the yard uh, and eventually I presume the yard will be the field and the field will be the yard it's just transference so we had a few little just things that we'd noticed on on social media um that we just thought we we're not going to go you know hugely in depth because we've we already had arranged to have a guest on so um but they're just kind of things that have been big and we just thought we'd, we'd touch on them um firstly there has been yet more tax thefts i mean which is just i'll be honest with you it's terrifying because you know that that none of us have got the money to replace the tack and it's not even just the money it's like you know say manny's got a back like a banana his saddle was made to fit his banana shape um it's the time off you know it's it's even things like you know your stirrups the bit like they're things that you wouldn't think are super expensive but actually it all adds up and it's really terrifying to think that when you save up really hard to try and get away to these shows that at the minute you run a a very high risk of coming away without any of your equipment um so it was Northcote that was um the target last weekend um and one of my friends actually like in the worst look ever had her tack stolen for the second time um fuck yeah and like not cheap saddles, like CWDs. I can't remember if it was Arena that she got it taken from the first time, um, and then Northcote this time. But were, Northcote were really, but Northcote were good, weren't they? They put out a press release and they were very proactive about it. Some of the other venues have not done that, and I'm not criticising because who the hell knows what you're supposed to do in these situations. But I did see the post from them, and I thought it was quite good. They were they were quite strong about it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of getting to the stage where it's like, I don't know what, you know, there's a lot of talk about people putting Apple Air tags in the saddles um, so they can be tracked, about putting alarms on the tack lockers. Um, you know, the people have put combination locks on the tack lockers. But it seems like whatever sort of things people, measures people take, they seem to be finding a way around like you know that they took crowbars to the lorries this time and i I think that's that that that's the the hard part about it though i think is apart from the fact yeah lots of the items of tack we use are very specific to the horse or specific to the rider i think there's two things there not only is your tack specific to your horse or to your rider but to me it's a bit personal like my saddle is it's not just a saddle to me. It's not just one I could go and get another one of, you know, it's, it's a bit more personal than that. Um, it fits me really well. And it fits my horse really well. I've had it for a long time and I get on the horse and I don't have to think about the saddle at all until I'm taking it off the horse, you know, so it's just yeah. small, it just can feel a bit more personal, but more than that, I think now and again, I'm not casting aspersions, but it's hard to argue that there's not somebody on the inside or some kind of group who are very familiar with the operations at a show what's extremely easy to do what isn't you know like and and i think that's what's really rattling people as well 
Is that if this was just some, you know, person who is involved in a life of criminality coming off the street from normal life, they wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah. Oh, no, they have to be able to blend in. They have to have gone to a number of shows now and nobody kind of give them a second glance. Because well, obviously not, because it can't, it can't be, there can't be ga- so many gangs of people stealing saddles that all of these venues are being targeted by all these different gangs. Like there yeah. must be some, like, well, sorry, that's not, that's speculative. It, it feels likely that there is some connection yeah. between, and, and that may not be correct, but it feels, you know, exactly as you say. And it, it, it's, it's personal, like at that point, it feels personal. And I know that Northcote had released something on social media kind of asking what people's opinions would be about a charge of, um, you know, potentially something like five pounds a rider or five pounds a horse to increase security. But my, like I voted no, that I wasn't keen on that because my honest opinion is I, I don't think it would help that much. Like Arena UK have security on the gates and they had stuff taken and ultimately exactly like we've just said the problem is they're blending in the problem is they can they can go to a lorry and like take tack out and people probably just think they're taking tack to go and tack the horse up yeah i think what wayne wayne garrick obviously he got he got targeted and he's he's actually he's put he's he's been really proactive it's been really interesting watching what he's been doing so he's been speaking to show centers he's also been speaking to lorry manufacturers right about implementing alarm systems on tack lockers he also did a really good post a couple of weeks ago where he pointed out that although they're advising us now to put tack into the living he did a demonstration with two lorries with just the normal you know lock on the inside of the door into the living mm-hmm. and it was a universal key and one key one key from uh, someone else unlocked both doors in the trucks so again, you see somebody going up the steps in the lorry and unlocking the door, you're not going to even no. register that. So it's so easy for them to, and if it is the case that lorry manufacturers are using universal fitting, well, that needs to change. Yeah. And so I think it's good that he's being really proactive about that um, and trying to make a change, um, but it needs more support. It is unfortunate that riders, as I said at Northgate press release, riders having, you know, people having to think in a defensive capacity like this is is awful um but nonetheless that's where you're at yeah. at the moment it's it really has frightened me like for our next show away i was saying to ben like i'm nervous about how we can keep everything safe obviously i i, I was said to ben i think we should take hugo um the doberman because i think he's better than an alarm probably um, I will, sure, but, but, but probably it's not that bad if you can put tag up on the loot and then put hugo in there yeah still, like what like how is it a bad plan? It's not. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think I will probably be a lot greyer should I take Hugo to a show because if we left him, he'd be like, oh. So he'd end up saying, right, leave the tack and we'll have to take Hugo with us or he'll be depressed. Like, oh. Um, we'll have to take the tack as well. So he's going everywhere with some entourage, saddles yeah. and dogs and children. And- Looking like a rapper with my Doberman. <laughs> But then, then like yeah, yeah, you want you need fur coats for everybody, like full yeah. fur coats now, and, and then poor jewelry. Ben with like the pushchair piled high with like tack and you know all of our worldly goods. Like we need like a shopping trolley. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be both homeless and a rapper at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, so yeah, I mean, no, it is like it is awful. But yeah, um, I don't have any, you know, anything, any idea. What do you like, think about? Well, what do you think about? Um, so one of the things I've seen online quite a few times is that the small little, the small little chips that you can uh, chips is not maybe the right word. I'm old. Are you thinking of the airtex, the Apple airtex. advanced people? Yeah, exactly. And they're so small that you can get them in under the padding in the saddles. I honestly think. And the batteries last for like a year. Do you think it's worth doing? Or do you think they're going to start massacring our saddles when yeah. we lick them now? 100%. Well, should like, they do this? Like, it's not unheard of for them to cut microchips out exactly. of horses. Like, so realistically, a saddle's not a problem, is it? Yeah, that's what worries me is like that they're, they're in my opinion, there are the riders, there are the competitors. They're on the pages where we're all discussing options of how to keep yeah, our yeah, safe. Yeah, what to do about it and they're all there reading it like okay so we're going to check them now for air tags we're going you know like that's what i think like i don't know i mean like i am technologically remedial but like i'm i don't yeah. know if they would be metal or something if that was me are they just going to then quickly run a scanner over and be like okay so it yeah there rip that straight out like I yeah, just, if they get a scanner that can read the chip, then all yeah. they have to do is bring the scanner with them, and if it picks up so, exactly, yeah, it just—I I don't know, like what the answer is. It—it just—it does always boils down to with theft that unfortunately, when somebody wants something, they're going to take it, yeah. and that doesn't matter whether you're talking about your home, your car, your tack, it doesn't, your horse, it doesn't matter. If somebody wants it badly enough, they will find a way to get it, and that is an irrefutable, unfortunate truth. And it just—it. It worries me the whole kind of like riders paying more for security because like I know that a lot of like a lot of people at these shows have got a lot of money, but a lot of people who are there haven't. And we're already paying like a shitload for stabling, for first aid cover, for to actually compete. The diesel's so expensive now. It's like it all adds up. And I don't know, like where does that leave you if we all pay like say five pounds per horse? for extra security and the stuff still goes like where does then we're just even fucking poorer than we were in the first place well no but you're you were right with your original point there though if it's an inside job like what use is it if people are still able to blend in and fucking pick up a wheelbarrow with five saddles in it where is your five quid security going exactly and like, like some it, you know what i mean kind what, of random suppo- security guards they're they're not horses oh, yeah. like they're not gonna yeah. So yeah, I, I personally, I don't think that's the answer. I don't know what the answer is. I would love to know it. I don't know what it is. Like short of us all getting bloody massive guard dogs. I, I think I think credit has to be given to people who are doing their best to come up with solutions yeah, and putting 100%. it out to people and going, what do you think? Because at the end of the day, although we might not think that solution is viable, the people who are trying to find a way forward yeah. with it are still trying to do something to help everybody. And I do think that that has to be acknowledged 100%. and appreciated all the same. So our next is the absolute social media frenzy over the Mark Todd video that was released on TikTok, um, which saw um, Mark Todd smacking a horse. I think it was 10 times to get it into a water. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I've just been joined by Sebastian. So my tone will be slightly quieter and I think I'm further from the microphone. Ever the professional. Um, yeah, so um, Mark Todd trying to get the horse to go into water. What's your take on it? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, 
I'm afraid to say anything because I feel like there are enough people on both sides that no matter what I say, I'm going to be taken up wrong. Yeah. So what I will say is I would prefer that those things didn't happen to horses. Um, however, on the flip side of that, the there has been further information that has come out about that since. Yeah. It happened two years ago. I don't think it should have been made public to begin with um, mm. in the way that it was. As I understand it, the horse would go into water and he would jump into water, but he wouldn't step down into water. And and that that was something they were trying to resolve. I don't know that any of that actually matters, to be honest, because, again, I think posting on social media in that way was un- quite underhand and yeah. inappropriate. I think if she had that much of a problem with it, she probably should have said so differently, um, maybe to him or whatever. Um, I don't think anybody comes out of it well, to be honest. Um I think he's done so many amazing things in his career. We know that he has done an awful lot with horses that haven't been straightforward and haven't been easy. I don't believe that one video of him doing something that we would far rather not have seen him do vilifies him and makes him a terrible person and undermines all of his achievements and the great work he's done in the industry and the wonderful things he's done with horses that other people wouldn't have been able to maybe do. Um, But there's no point denying the fact that nobody comes out of that video well. 100%. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm not on anybody's side here. I'm just saying, I, I don't think I, there's no part of it that's all right. I probably couldn't agree more. Like, is that a good video? Absolutely not. Like, would he be proud of that? Probably absolutely not. Um, would I want a non-horsey person to see that video and think that's what our sport is? Absolutely yeah. not. But equally, I sometimes think that it can be easy to be swept up in something that can become quite like sensationalist. Yeah. And yet people can turn a blind eye to a million horses at a local show who are wearing, uh-huh. you know, tack that doesn't fit being ridden by a rider that's too heavy who are clearly very uncomfortable you know in their joints or their back or their feet or in tack that is really pinching them you know like I just sometimes think it's very easy to look at a big thing and think it's the worst thing in the world and turn your eye at like a million little things you know the person that chooses to like ignore signs that the horse is unhappy or and don't get me wrong like you know potentially people will say that that horse that day was showing that it was unhappy and it didn't want to step into the water but equally I will stick my neck on the line and say like I've had a big argument with uh, a mare that we had Prem about going through water because she was young and she went through water a million times and then decided this day on this hack, like, nah, she wasn't going to do it. And I felt really strongly that day that it was more of a test of a, like, if I say no, will you make it happen? Or will I be able to say no when I want to say no? Um, And I did have a big fight with that mare that day because I felt that she was like, a 17 hand big strap in warm blood and she kind of had just decided so I don't know what happened with that horse I don't know the information that he was given about that horse or 
But the other thing that I think is I don't like clinics and things like that for that exact reason. Like, I don't like group lessons. I don't like clinics with riders that I don't really know because I think it's an almost impossible task. Yeah. Like, you know, so when you, when you see people go for like a grid lesson with five other people and I think, how how is that grid going to serve all those horses and all those riders? Yeah, that's a fair point. I hate to, I was, I don't I teach almost not at all anymore. But when I was coaching, we did quite a lot of confidence clinics and you'd be teaching, you know, four riders was my cutoff, but we'd be doing four riders at a time and doing that kind of thing. And like, exactly like you say, it, you realise really quickly, people want to do it and you want to do the best for them. And it doesn't always suit people to pay for an individual lesson. And that's understandable. But at the same time, if you have a very specific issue with the horse, you are, you know, you're better off going and saving up your money and doing a private lesson with somebody that you want to work with because the clinic's, they do a bit for most, mm-hmm. but not a lot for many. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally I agree. Think, I, I do agree with that. I do. But, I mean, there are exceptions. Like, I mean, we, we had Lucinda Green over training a couple of times. We used to run clinics, riders. And I have to say, she, I mean, but I mean, she's next level, full stop in everything that she does. But like her clinic was fucking incredible. Like, mm-hmm. and it was very different from anything I've ever done before or since. And it really challenged the horse and the rider to think with very different layout and setup, and it was done very differently to, to, to most of your standard clinic demograph. Um, so I think I mean, as well, like if you had, yeah, but like if you had exception. a group of friends who you kind of knew them and their horses, and you were like, you know, say, oh look, we're we're all a bit nervous going round a eighty. Yeah, yeah. Then, but but then you've paired yourselves up, haven't you? Yeah. You, you put yourselves where you need to all be together, and you're yeah. all going to benefit. That's different. But I do think you're right. I think sort of random just signing up to do a clinic and having no idea who you're going to be in with, and it's it's difficult yeah. for trainers. And then you know, no saying to some are. saying to a trainer like, "I want you to fix this very very specific issue in a in a group clinic," like yeah, is a, yeah like what is it fair like on 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 anybody actually you know mm-hmm. because i is feel it- like very much he was damned if he did damned if he didn't like if he said like i can't do that she, she potentially could have gone away and been like well i paid all that money and he just you know he was rubbish he just wants to take your money if he solves the problem by spending the whole clinic and ignoring everybody else in it they're then not happy or if yeah. he solves the problem by putting too much pressure on the horse then she's not happy I'm not justifying, you know, I'm just saying it's a tricky situation. Yeah, you can't set people up to fail either. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I just, as I said, like my opinion, no one comes out of that well. No. Um, and I, I do think it's potentially going to lead to trainers not wanting lessons videoed. You can see where they're coming from. 100%. If that's the risk there, that's, that's understandable. At the end of the day, they have to protect their reputations first and foremost. And that doesn't mean that you give someone a green light to do something heinous behind, you know, closed doors with no camera. That's not the same thing. But if something could be misinterpreted without perspective, which could be damaging to a rider's reputation, mm-hmm. you can see why they would lean towards it. Yeah, and like, it's what is seen, isn't it? Because, you know, I saw some comments about um, another rider where basically they were condemning Mark Todd but praising somebody else. And I thought, just because you haven't seen 
a video of that rider doing that, that does not mean that rider has not done that. No. All I'm saying is like, if you, if people want to kind of cancel Mark Todd and they're all wanting to boycott his products and they want shops to stop selling his products. And I don't know how realistic it is to look at the top riders and think none of them would have a video in their whole history of being with horses that they wouldn't be ashamed of. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as I think it's just it's a particularly unfortunate situation. But first and foremost, and I'm not saying this, I don't want people to start sending me hate mail now or taking me up wrong. But if the person who posted that video had a problem with with what went on there, yeah. I'm sure she was free to contact him, speak to him either after the clinic or at any point in time in the preceding two years. Yeah. That did not necessitate her posting that video with no context or not that the context makes it okay again pc here but you know what i mean like first and foremost like there's no way to look at that and think this is an innocent action of somebody who just wants to post a video yeah you know in that case post a picture of your cat climbing a curtain or your i don't know dog falling into the pond or something i don't know do that if that's if you're on for just posting you know videos it's hard to think that there was not intent. Um, yeah, po- possibly intent there. And indeed that has, the, out- the outcome has sort of supports that potential, doesn't it? So yeah. um, I think first and foremost, that's a problem. And I think, you know, social media is so fucking dangerous. We've talked about it a million times. Yeah. If you've got a problem with something for the love of, just go to the person start there you know wherever you go after that fine but start there don't just wait two years and then post it on the internet and cause a fucking riot like that's not fair yeah because as well like how many people will he teach how many people will he see there's no way he's going to remember the details of that i mean for all we know like and this is not that i am siding with him in any way shape or form i'm literally just playing devil's advocate here for all we know she said to him you know, this horse is a real nappy bugger. Like it's leveled me at waters. It used to go in waters fine. And, it, you know, it like we literally have no background and he probably will not have any recollection of that. So I think exactly as you say, it's just a case of being fair. Like if you, if you're not happy with how something's gone in a clinic, say like, I'm really yeah, even if the actions of the other person are not very attractive, which there's no point denying that that is the case here, 100%. you're still 1,000% setting them up for a fucking disaster by yeah. doing that, by posting a video like that. You, No matter whether they you think they deserve it or not, it doesn't, you know what, two years is a long bloody time to wait. Yeah. And also, like, where in the video, like, if someone, say I know if someone slapped Pancake on the arse, I don't care who he is. If he's Scott Brash and he slaps, I'll be like, listen, you can get on the bloody stop thing. It. Just get, Let just me slap it, it on the arse. Yeah. I, I would be like, no, like, because he doesn't need that. Like, and Manny doesn't need that. Am I saying that I, some of my horses in the past haven't had, you know, slap on the arse? Yeah, they have. But like, if I felt that that wasn't fair or that wasn't going to benefit that horse, like, I, I like to think I would say, like, no. And not two years down the line. I remember years and years ago, I had a young mare that I'd bred myself. And she's a Connemara cross thoroughbred. She was, she was good, but she was 
She was tricky, tricky, especially on the ground, but she was good. She's a good little thing. Um, and she'd had some problems with her mouth. She she had bottom wolf teeth, and she had some problems with her with her mouth. She had the bottom wolf teeth removed, and she was very sensitive. And I just it took a while for her to settle down. And it was a long time ago. I I didn't have the kind of insights or knowledge or experience I have now. But nonetheless, you know, I had a, I had a reasonably small bit in her mouth and plain bridle and the yard I was working on I had taken it with me and I was riding her in the indoor there and she used to just kind of like half jam on and not want to go forward it was not a nap it was my mouth has been like I said now I would have probably put her in a hackamore or I would have done something very different but I, I was very very young then and not experienced but so she was in a bit where she probably shouldn't have been but anyway you know she just kind of half hesitate or stop she never napped or did anything naughty, but she just stopped because it was like she couldn't, she didn't want to go forward into the contact because she wasn't yeah. comfortable and she knew she wasn't comfortable and she was trying to say that, but again, much younger and didn't. I never hit the horse. I never gave the horse a hard time because if you just left her for a minute, then she'd get going again. That was fine. And she grew out of it and stopped and her mouth settled down and she was fine. She was a million percent and she even went to the UK and invented blah, blah. She was great. But the yard I was in was the yard of an extremely famous, extremely well-known all over the world person. And that person came out one day seeing the horse do this with a lunge whip and proceeded to try and lash my little horse with a lunge whip. And I turned around in the saddle and I said, please stop it. Don't do that. Just leave her alone. Yeah. And the person said, the problem with you is you don't understand that I've forgotten more than you're ever going to know about horses. And I always remember that experience because even though I was didn't have any idea what I was doing and I could have definitely set that horse up better not to have to react like that. I didn't put a hand against it and I did stand up for the horse when someone yeah. else tried to, even though they were like really, and again, it's not me going, oh, you know, aren't I great? I stood up for the horse. It's not that. It's that I was really fucking outraged Yeah. that someone was coming in and treating this horse like it was being naughty and difficult when it wasn't. It was just trying to say something. Yeah. And I think that probably happens more than it should. And it was just the attitude of this, as I said, that person is correct, no doubt. But at that point, they had certainly forgotten more than I'll ever know. The difference is, is that I know that and I acknowledge that. And I'm always on a quest to learn more. I'm never going to dine out on being the person who's going, well, I know more than I forgot then, more than you'll ever know. This is the only way as to well, solve this problem. You knew more about that mare. Well, how could you just walk in blind and pick up a lunch Because exactly. you know what I mean? Like it's, and, and that's then, kind and then, of what know, I mean about the defend yourself, thing. Defend we yourself by have the context of that lesson you know and also that's again I'll go back to it that's why I like to stick with one trainer and I'd rather stick with a trainer that knows my horse than use an incredible famous name but who won't know well do you know what look Manny he's a bit older he's getting a bit stiff so when he struggles to do a clean change it's not because he's being lazy or being naughty. It's because he is genuinely, is he, thing. Yeah. it's taken Manny four years to get to where he is. Like it's taken four years of hard work to teach him to do the changes. And like, that's kind of with your mare, like you have got that history with her that someone walking in and looking and thinking it's a nappy horse that needs a lunge whip of its arse. So we don't yeah, know yeah. what he was told about that horse. And like I, basically my kind of 
my summary of the situation with with him in that particular instant is just like I'm not jumping on any bandwagon. I don't know enough. And I don't think that writing stuff on the internet or sending someone hate or trying to get someone cancelled is really in anyone's best interests here. No, like I said, you know, but it certainly could have been handled very differently. Definitely. Oh, I'm wearing earphones and I'm not plugged in. So that's good stuff. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we keep click here. Um, Let's just sort of I do, yeah. <laughs> so, um, we are joined this episode by the Galloping Housewife. Um, I happened to just see a couple of your posts in quick succession, and I just felt that you were such an amazing match for the podcast that we were desperate to speak to you and hear all about your incredible journey. Could you just, could you just give us a <laughs> um, I mean, it'll be hard journey of the that. completely ordinary person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, so I'm Shawan, um, the Galloping Housewife, the real Galloping Housewife, um, which is a, it started out as just a Facebook page that I set up oh, a couple of years ago. I was, um, yeah, so my background is obviously I'm not from around here, as in um, I'm living in the UK at the moment. I'm in uh, up in Scotland, but um, uh, yeah, I originate from New Zealand, and uh, yeah, and I am a very ordinary person, and um, I, but I did happen to have one very good horse that I um, trained through to international Grand Prix, and we qualified for an Olympic Games and didn't get to ride, so. My idea was to come over to the UK and take the dressage world by storm, which I have failed at miserably. Um, but yeah, we, we arrived here just after the London Olympics in 2013. Um, and yeah, and so with everything that went wrong with that, I was um, at badminton horse trials, just supporting a few friends of mine. And I saw the little grassroots the little grassroots I mean like the jumping around um 90 and, and 100 it's like beyond anything that I'm capable of uh but I saw that and I thought that looks like far more like my cup of tea um and so yeah the galloping housewife was born I just wanted to go and gallop and jump over things and remember what the fun is of owning horses because we tend to forget that when we're chasing glory yeah, yeah we, so had, we totally do forget it yeah had you do you <laughs> feel like you yeah. had kind of really focused on more the competitive dressage and lost the love of just going and having a good time going and having a good gallop yeah I mean like it was a little bit that um yeah I mean like dressage you're always chasing you know the perfect 20 meter circle or the perfect pirouette or depending on you know which level you're at um and, and there is a bit of that but also I mean I had had some heartbreak I had a very good horse that I bought over with me um who did a suspensory and then I actually had a super super young horse that um I bought as a three-year-old stallion in Germany when we first got over here um and we qualified we went to the world champs um and Verdon the world young horse champs okay I just have to stop the you arena. Okay. you cannot be saying at this point that you are ordinary Krista are you thinking what I'm thinking like if this is ordinary what the fuck am I uh, yeah but but I Am. I mean, like, for God's sake, I, I mean, I've been laughed out of arenas by coaches. You have, I mean, like you speak to any of my coaches. The only reason that I've got anywhere in life is because I am, I just don't know when to quit. 
and it's like I just, love this. I just I just love this I just love this this is this is yeah. and you know that's you're giving us hope yeah, it's it's, it's, it's brilliant yeah no but that's the thing like and I I shared a couple of your posts last week on my on my social media because that's it and and particularly the one about you know working around motherhood oh yes marriage and and you know yeah being able to keep going and stuff like there are especially at this time of year right for pretty well everybody here we're like I hate this I hate horses I hate my life I hate everything and then so it was really good timing because right now I'm like facing a yard full of crocs and my child is berserk and my husband is away and I'm like it's raining all time I'm like oh I can't why am I doing this it's stupid but then you read something like that and you see that you know you can persevere through the shit bits and the hard bits and the juggling and it is possible and honestly like there's no it's also about going out and finding the little things like it's actually taking that pressure off and you don't need to be going for the, you don't need to be qualifying for something you don't need to be jumping high you don't need to be going any further if you want to go out to the yard and all you do is brush your pony or yeah. take it for a wander up the road or you know whatever it is it's like that's okay like you gotta you know you gotta and I really I, I had lost that you know because everything had gone wrong and I was just like and I was always trying to be perfect and it's like no, no, no. And you can actually, you can, I find, well, you can be more successful if you take the pressure off. Yeah, you know, yeah you, I think that's probably yeah. really accurate. I really do. Yeah. Um, but I said, like, you know, it, it's just, like, there are lots of professional riders out there, you know, I mean, obviously you've ridden to, like, Olympic level. Um, Not quite. I didn't get there. <laughs> still qualified for it. That counts. You know, like, there are lots of people out there and you know they have kids and they have families and they do an amazing job of juggling it and stuff but that's not what that's not their story their story is like they've got good help they've got or they're managing somehow to not make it look like my life looks anyway um <laughs> <laughs> which is a shit fight probably <laughs> yeah complete shit fest like but you know what I mean like that's not what you what you see and so although it's amazing to watch upper level riders who ride at such a at the same you know at that kind of level it's not the whole story. And when someone comes along who does ride at that level, but who actually, like everybody will tell you on social media what they love is reality. But when someone can put that reality across, I do ride at that level, but it is a fuck fest of epic proportions as well. Here are the two things together. That's so much more relatable. And it means so much more to so many more people. Sorry, professional riders. It's not that you're not doing it right. It's just that it's so much more relatable. And I love watching them. I mean, I love watching those hey, people. Of course, that, you know, I, I sit there and I, I my, my Instagram, and I mean, like, and I'm really good friends with a lot of them because I've mm. competed alongside them, and I've, you know, and, and you know, we go to shows together, and we we have, you know, the highs and the lows and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. And I love seeing all these beautiful people do these beautiful. And who how the hell has time to do reels and TikToks? But anyway, oh, but, but you know, if, I, I do because I don't do what you do. Okay. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I scroll, do like that. Scrolls through Instagram and looks at all these wonderful, these beautiful reels and these really. Um, you know, oh yeah, no, I don't do those. Pictures. Oh no, I'm. And they, but it's like, and, and it's, it's like they have that they have that ability to be focused because they that is and you know they God bless them they have chosen that life um, and they've got good support whether or not you know they started with good support but the but that has been their sole desire to get to that point where they can actually just ride and I mean I always said that my biggest failing in life was that I married for love instead of money I say that to Ben all the time yeah 
yeah yeah exactly it's like I mean like why why couldn't even be rich you know but it's yeah. like it's um but then also I think we also we have an advantage because we with limited resources and I know that that sounds really bizarre but but it's because we don't give up and people always look at oh, uh, yeah, people look at the New Zealand, like the New Zealand equestrian scene as a whole and not dressage because we're, we're you know, quite frankly crap. But, we, you know, you look at the eventers and, and late, lately we've had some really good show jumpers come through, but particularly the eventers, you know, they're the gods of the sport, the Andrew Nichols yeah, amazing, and the yeah. gods and the Blythe Tates and the Vicky Latas and all the, that of the world. And it's like, and people wonder why they were so good. But the thing is that most of them started their journey and I, you know, uh, New Zealand's about we it's like you talk about six degrees of separation it's tidier than that so I know the family homes that a lot of these people (laughs) come from and you know they're very ordinary families and they are the ones that are riding on they were riding on um you know the the discard racetrack discards and all that type of stuff and they just had to be able to figure it out they just had to be able to just make do um and so they and they also the way that they learn you know they learn by galloping up the side of the road and you know jumping the fences because they can't be asked to opening the gates and all that type of stuff so you learn to be just adaptable and that is the thing that I think has made the New Zealand scene so good and but it, it goes across all disciplines because I just think we're just that um if with limited resources we can use that to our advantage because we can say, this is what I've got to work with. And also when you've got one horse, you can concentrate what you're doing on it. You can concentrate your lessons. You can t- concentrate your, um, you know, your, the work, you, you can spend the money to do that. Well, I mean, they, you know, what little money we have, but you know, we can, you, we can do it. And, and we just tend to be that little bit. If they come up with a question, we'll, take that time to work it through and I think yeah. that that can actually be an advantage yeah, yeah definitely I mean like Katie and I are kind of you know very similar in, in that regard that we're making do with what we've got you know neither of us are, are able to go out and buy expensive horses and we're kind of trying to put together things with you know horses that maybe not ideally suited to the job and making the best you can out of what you've got around again family life and business and all the rest of it um and I do think although as like you know on the one hand in my case anyway like you're I'm never going up a level whether I want to or not on the other hand there's a lot I can do that others can't and that's not me being big-headed but it's because of my journey like I'm able to you know get through something with a horse or understand something differently Mm -hmm. with a horse and okay as I said it's not going to take me any to any great height competitively but it's not useless either you know um and so you do just kind of make do with what you have and you can't underestimate horsemanship too and it's like you know, that, that sort of like being able to like spending time with them on the ground and doing it or doing it all yourself. And, you know, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. It takes so much time, but it actually, you know, it just, um, it does set you up, you know, it sets you up for, it sets you up for when things all go right, you know, and it's, yeah, just sort of figuring it out with the ordinary horses and yeah, doing that stuff on the ground. And yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really sorry. Well, I interrupted you um, when you were telling us about your young horse. And I, re- I really want to hear all about your horses because especially like you had one, didn't you, that wasn't really bred for dressage at all. Um, he was like 
was he a thoroughbred? Um, uh, so you're probably talking about Gosh, yeah. So so Gosh is the one that the one that I actually took through to Grand Prix. Um, and he was, and I was looking at some fancy warm bloods. I, I um, uh, actually I got a a small. When I say small, I say small inheritance. <laughs> Um, and so I, I, for me, that was, it was, um, I had a lot of money to spend. Now I'll put some context in this. It was about, it was $15,000. Um, so seven and a half grand or thereabouts <laughs> UK pounds. So it, was, it wasn't a great amount, but I was going to look for my first dressage horse. So I was looking for like a fancy, I did look at some nice, well-bred warm bloods um but one of the horses I looked at was Gosh now Gosh was um he was by a thoroughbred out of a standard bred Arab Clydesdale mare crossbred mare so bred for nothing um and he was was, um we call call them west coast station breeds uh, east coast station breeds sorry in New Zealand so we have um yeah there's just this little pocket of New Zealand out by Gisborne, first place to see the sun, uh, that has these just mongrel breeds that roam the hills um, that people breed, mainly for hunting and general hacking and that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, the occasional really good well, We've had some good show jumpers that have come out of there. So, But anyway, so I went and sat on Gosh, and he was nine, rising ten. He was graded novice. Um, he was 15, three on his tippy toes. Um, and he was sharp as a tack, like completely. He was had the most ridiculous spook in him, but I just sat on him and I just thought he was just my sort of horse. Um, and in fact, he had been ridden and coached by some of, I mean, like coached by some of um, New Zealand's top dressage riders, um, who quite liked him, but he always. Or he was just too sharp for any of them. They didn't <laughs> didn't like that. But I, I had an eventing background at that stage, and I was just like, thought it was fun. But yeah, the first night I went to try him, it was like twilight, and we were in, in this indoor arena which didn't have very good lights. And so, and he was just spooking so badly at the shadows that you couldn't get him around the arena. So I went outside and rode him in the <laughs> rode him in the dark in the outdoor arena, which was actually better. And I was like, yeah, no, I quite like that. He was probably <laughs> yeah. like, fuck me, I've met yeah, someone that's cool. as brave as me. Like, I think we're gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> as mad as I am yeah yeah something like that so, yeah. but I was pregnant with my second child when I bought him right yes I must have been just pregnant with um just pregnant with Clive when I bought him and yeah so I rode him for six months right well rode him until and she only rode um until I was seven months pregnant with him got to the regional champs, rode him at regionals and sort of slid off. And that was the end of that, put him in the field for three months. <laughs> yeah. And then what made you change to a Connie this time? Because I saw that you're eventing on a Connie now. So the Connie that I've got now, so that, so so Gosh was the one that I actually qualified for London on. So And I left him back in New Zealand um, and bought, I had a nice small tour horse that I bought over with me. But um yeah, so when I lost both the him and the and the nice young one that um yeah that I took to Germany, I didn't I mean I didn't ride anything I didn't have anything for a while I um we'd had a few issues with the Home Office, um and a few other things going on so we didn't <laughs> yeah we, and I was like head down 
bum up doing getting the business going and um yeah didn't have any money at all um and then and I kind of like done this um so uh with one of my businesses I sponsor some pretty cool people and at one stage I was looking after Lucinda so that's part of the reason why I was out at badminton Lucinda Green and um and yeah which is cool and so and so the horse that one of the horses that Lissa rode around badminton um after they retired him their groom was it was going around doing all these b90s and bits and pieces so I was pottering around to some of these these things and I just thought and that was my whole thing like I just wanted to go and have fun and I used to event when I was a kid kid like all New Zealanders that's what we do we don't there's bugger all dressage over there there's some show jumping um I mean there is good there's good dressage now but when I was growing up that was certainly there wasn't virtually there wasn't a lot um and yeah and so I yeah I mean I in fact I um, sold Janelle, well, not Janelle, but um, Janelle's sister-in-law, Darnell, who um, the horse that Janelle rode in London. So yeah, as a three-year-old, through a four-year-old, I sold it to them. Oh my so, gosh! Um, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, just a young horse that went through my yard at one stage. Um, but I yeah, so I wanted to event, and I just it was in the lockdown, and we had actually planned my husband and I we've been married 19 years almost um, and we still haven't had a honeymoon and so for in 2020 we'd actually planned to go to a friend's wedding um, in uh, Puerto Rico and then go up through the states and that was going to be our honeymoon and of course COVID hit and so we couldn't go Um, and so I had this money burning some that we'd saved for this honeymoon Um, that um, was burning a hole in my pocket, and one one of the I um, was spo- I sponsored Georgie Spence as well, and um, with her <laughs> business, and she was just putting she was putting so she gets these little connies over and sells yeah, yeah, them. That, them. That's yeah. kind of how she funds. <laughs> yeah, she funds um, a lot. She does obviously teaches a lot, but she does sell a lot of sort of um, connies into the amateur market, and she just had this Percy on the air and I messaged her I said what about Percy and she comes back and goes for you <laughs> I was like yeah and Percy is I mean I don't know whether you know Connie's but there's two types of Connie there's the dope on a rope yeah and there's mad as a cut snake yeah. Percy is definitely in that latter camp he is high as a kite most of the time and so yeah we spend most of the time careering around the ring vaguely out of control and having a great time <laughs> well, that's amazing that's really good yeah so yeah. has he started yeah, he's competing at, yeah yeah so he's been competing at BAT um we went back to New Zealand at the beginning of last year and then moving up to Scotland I had it just took a little bit to get organized so we only got a couple of shows in um but he's he's been placed at um and he got placed in both of the 80s last year I might get brave enough and go up to go up to 90 at some stage this year but we'll see my idea I'd really like to qualify for um uh Bremen this year they've got the 80 centimeter champs at Bremen I thought that would be quite fun so I feel like with you (laughs) you're gonna end up this like Connemara is gonna end up going to badminton or something I feel like this is kind of what happens is is you're just like you know we'll just get this little Connie and see and next it's gonna be like the Connemara that that completed badminton or something like I just just Camilla's yeah 100% I feel like this is on the card five star level yeah He's um yeah I mean he's he's pretty 
good on the flat, but I haven't been able to put a change in him yet. So I've got, he's got a pretty decent PRF and he's starting to massage, but I haven't oh been able God. to put a flying change in him. So we'll K- see. Katie, Katie and I only do those things in an involuntary capacity. 100%. Katie actually came out with a great one. We were talking about uh, shows. It was our last episode. And Katie, I've, I've thought about it a few times. It makes me laugh every time I think of it. Katie said when she's taking a quarter sheet off pancake in the warm up, that he, he's like, he has a jaunty PRF. Jaunty PF. I think all PF should be jaunty, but like, yes. Katie and I only do those things in an involuntary, involuntary capacity. We don't do it on purpose. Well, tonight yeah. when I was yeah. well, bringing the, the young horses in, I was putting Mint's head collar on and Bougie managed to slip out past me. And I thought, oh, like, fuck it. Just let it take itself up to the stable. That'll be easier at this point. So me and Mint kind of trudged in behind to find Bougie, who'd like launched himself into the barn and Pancake was tied in the wash box because I was going to wash his tail. Pancake was honestly, I don't think Vallegro could have got the elevation. Pancake was like, what's going on? This is not supposed to be what happens. He was just like <laughs> assaging uh, on the cross ties. Yeah. And I was like shouting, look at what you've yeah. done, Bougie. Look at poor Pancake. <laughs> Pancake is like, oh, it's all gone wrong. Well, they do. They do do quite a lot of work between the um, the, the poles and the lipazanas. So, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. cross ties can be quite useful. Oh, yeah, I got a pretty decent capriole out of um, Percy on uh, yesterday when I went out and rode him and unintentionally, but you know. <laughs> I, I do. I do have to say that, like, I, I, uh, my secret, my little dirty secret is I should really love dressage, right? Like, I mean, my, I'm producing young horses, and I showed you because I just can't be honest with the dressage over here anymore. And no offense to them. <clears throat> and I used to event, but it doesn't fit around my life at all anymore, and I just can't. So mm. I do quite a bit of show jumping and I love that and it's great and it works and it fits but my dirty secret is I actually really love dressage and there like it is thrilling to to sit on a horse and have it you know doing something very well whether you've actually achieved that yourself or someone else has achieved it and people kind of think you know you're doing flash things on the on the flat it could never be as cool as jumping a massive fence but it really is it's amazing and yeah I um like when you started training for the higher levels with your first horse going up to that kind of level like did you like how did you train separately had you experienced the higher or all of the p's or did you learn that with your horse that's very cool yeah I had I did I mean like it was completely it was completely self-talk I mean like and it's something like I wouldn't recommend the way I did it to anybody but it sort of worked I was lucky I mean, it does help to have a super, super sensitive horse, like really, really sharp. Yeah. Um, and, but I mean, like it, it wasn't easy. He took a long time to get the flying changes. Um, and then when he got them, that was fine. But, um, and he got them all de- from a single flying change down to two really quite e- easily once he got the single one. But teaching him ones, it was, it took, from the first time that I tried to go, so we go one one. We just you change out and change in. So that's the first thing that you ask them on the long side when you're teaching the one time changes. Uh, from the first time I did that to the first time I got fifteen in a row, which you need for the Grand Prix, took me just over two years. Amazing. So yeah, and I mean, like any normal person would have given up, um, but I'm not normal. So. <laughs> that was that was fine. The PF, he and he actually that horse had the most incredible passage, like absolutely amazing. Um, and 
yeah, uh, it, it was it was almost natural. But I do you know um, Andrew McLean, the um, ABC guy, the um, I know Australian him. who does yeah. the um, equitation science stuff. Yeah. So kind of not natural horsemanship, but um, behavioral theory stuff with horses. So he came over and did some clinics in New, Ze- I mean, New Zealand and he was, I had a private lesson with him after one of the clinics and he was the first one that sort of like had me cr- creating those super, it wasn't actually passage, but it was like just really separating the trot steps out and having yeah. like, like developing that first hover. And he, and it was um, just with his, like the way that he teaches stop and go and um, yeah, and I'll never forget that. I will never forget that moment. Then when you just get that weight, um, that's just that's just amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, and I was lucky. I mean, like that little horse, he could, you know, he, um, you know, he passaged with his knees up around his eyeballs. So do you feel like fun. he was your horse of a lifetime? Um, he was certainly the horse that uh, started the journey. I mean, he's. He had, I mean, like he wasn't built for dressage um, at all, uh, and he found some of it really difficult. He never got to really sit, so his PF was actually more of a passage on the spot, which was fine because the judges quite liked that. Um, but his pirouettes were absolute shit, were complete rubbish, and never never mastered a pirouette. And he actually found the half pass quite tricky as well because he couldn't sit and push as um, that way sideways but I mean yeah so he was brilliant because he got me there and he taught me so much and he made me realize that it's possible um and we really gelled I mean like I was felt safe as houses on him we could go anywhere and do anything um yeah so I mean he was brilliant that way but I mean like I've got the the young horse that I took to the world's was phenomenal and then the one that I've actually so I bought a young horse um at the end of last year uh another young warm blood that um and uh he's he's probably the best moving horse that I've ever sat on unfortunately I had him a month and he's ended up with a uveitis so um he's been in and out of hospital for the past three four months uh which is completely shit so I mean fingers crossed I'll actually get to sit on him and get him going but he's his absolute superstar and he's got an amazing temperament really really cool temperament so yeah I don't know I mean I think I don't know whether you're like hard horse you're once in a lifetime horse you have those horses that you connect with but they all teach you have more than one exactly I've got loads of them I've got like well three or four anyway that I would count as horses of a lifetime for what they did for me I don't think like obviously some people do have one standout but um just when you were saying that about you know you're you're a real good horse he he really struggled to sit and it made me think that you know like that was one criticism that Nicola Poff used to get all the fucking time with Rembrandt yeah and I mean that horse moved mountains you know yeah he was incredible like so as you say they don't have to be necessarily uh, you know super fancy they really don't no they don't so much about the training you can be like the, the, i mean like yes okay so you have to meddle the, the other freaks but the ones that are you know even to get top 15 you can train a good horse you don't have to have a great horse you can train a good horse to get was to it the carl top hester 15. that used to say that he could get any horse to do dressage like any breed yeah. um yeah, yeah, I just think it's really inspiring because I think it's really easy 
for us to kind of almost defeat ourselves, you know, to like yeah. look at other riders and say, well, I'm never going to get there because I haven't got this. Or, and like, don't get me wrong, you do need a lot to, to do well in this sport. Like it, it's, you know, you can't say yeah. like, if you have not a penny to your name, you, you're not going to be able to do the sport probably to the same, like as, as someone who's got some means. But at the same time, I yeah. think it's it's really easy to kind of just give up and think like, well, I'm never going to achieve that because this horse hasn't got the sit. Whereas like, actually, you can kind of say, well, it hasn't got this, but I'll do what it can do really, really well. And I think, and even like you say, just what you learn in producing that horse to as high as you can get is absolutely invaluable, isn't it? I think it's really, like, that's what I really liked about, you know, a few of your posts. I really, I loved that the dressage horse that what, you know, most people would have been like, no, I need, has to be like warm blood. He has to have, you know, all these fancy lines and this huge big trot and all of this. And it's kind of like, it's really nice to see something that is a little bit different. Yeah. And I also really loved, um, the post that you put about stopping is not the same as giving up. I thought that was just another one that was really like inspiring because again, as riders, I think you just kind of the horse that you're terrified of. You're like, well, I can't sell it. I have to just keep going at, and you keep doing these things and, that you've totally fallen yeah. out of love with. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and you know, and it causes you so much problems and sometimes you can't get back from that. But equally, you know, like you get keep going to, you know, you keep your horse at a yard that, you know, where you don't feel comfortable, you know, where you're not going out and loving it. Or, you know, there's there's so many things that we we think that we can't we can't stop that we don't have control over. And I, um, yeah, and actually, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know. You, you, you sound like you've actually gone and read a few of the things that are right, right. But quite often they'll just be things that are speaking to me in that moment. I mean, yeah. in fact, normally that's what hap- that's what's happening, you know, like yeah. I will be, I will have something that comes up in my life and I'll just bang it out. And yeah. And then it does, yeah. And then it, it resonates with everyone else because, you know, you see, see the other side of the story, but it's, yeah, I do think, you know, and I, and I say that I don't know how to give up, but I do know when to stop. Mm-hmm. And that is probably, you know, like I have that I'm, you know, people have, people will call me tenacious, determined um, and, and resilient and I am all of that, but it's that it's the difference between um, between carrying on because you think you can, or carrying on because you think you should. I was literally, you know, I was literally in my head. It's whether it brings you happiness, isn't it? Like, you know, pancake is probably the most unpleasant horse to ride, like ninety percent of the time. But equally, I know that I can't afford something that can jump the tracks he can jump. So for me, it's worth it. The, the juice is completely worth the squeeze. Like, whereas I had a mare who was an absolute joy to ride, but I knew that she was never going to jump clear round higher than probably a 90. So I actually, I didn't, for me, there's no point. That's just not what I wanted to do. And like, I felt like she's a homebred. I would never have bred her if I didn't want to keep her. And I felt a lot of like pressure and guilt, but then it's like, it, it's not, giving me anything it's not kind of giving me any joy and I think that's the difference isn't it exactly like you say there's like this difference of stopping and not giving up yeah yeah actually that that whole thing about um, breeding horses and thinking that you should hold on to them so uh, and I I now I don't 
I don't breed and I won't buy anything that I can't sit on because I mean every time that I've got to that point it's like so I've bred something and by the time I get around to riding it I want a completely different horse from what I've bred or if I buy a young horse exactly the same you know and and you know it's just like no I'm either it's my horse to go on with now or it's like someone else's horse <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I actually I, I have a theory with with this because we bred a lot of horses when I was younger myself my mother and what would happen was we breed them and then, you know, we'd love them because they're homebreds and homebreds are that bit different. And so you'd have, <clears throat> I wanted to event, but like you'd have a horse that you bred to event and it turned out that it was a really nice show jumper. Yeah. So instead of finding someone else to take that horse and jump it, I would jump it. And okay, I wouldn't jump it to any great level or whatever, but I couldn't bring myself to sell the horse because I'd ruined it and loved it. But equally, it wasn't going to do my job. And I think that's where a lot of younger people are ahead of the posse these days, especially when they get good advice. Because I'm not saying I would have gone to the Olympic Games if I had been more ruthless in my decision making and less emotional about it. But there, it, it does apply that if you have a goal in mind and that's what you want to do and you find yourself sitting on a horse that can do our job very well, but not your job. Yeah. You've got to be responsible enough and have enough clarity of like long term vision to say, okay, if I definitely want to get to where I want to get to, <clears throat> buddy, you're not the horse for me. And if you decide not to do that, that's fine. Like, as I said, the journey I've been on has taught me a lot of things that others can't know and won't know, and that's fine. Would I rather have been competing at a higher level? I can't answer that now, really. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if I had made different decisions, it could have been different. It wasn't, and I don't say that with regret, but I think yeah. that that's, I didn't stop or quit. And so you end up down some rabbit hole you never thought you'd end up down. And I think that that's, it's very important that people like yourself are coming forward and saying, you have to look at what you're doing. You have to look at the bigger picture and you have to go, if I, if I don't want to quit my bigger picture, then I have to stop this in this moment now to make it so. And that, that's another <clears throat> point too, is like you need to be looking at what you need for your journey now. Like actually where you are, um, because and not for where, where you want to be or where you were. I mean, and, and that's kind of, yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, I, I'm all for being emotional if that's what you're there for, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like if it's, you know, I'm all for falling in love with the pony and, and having your pony and, you know, feeding it apples and, and, and that sort of stuff, if that's what you've got your horse for. But likewise, I mean, like I, you see so many people that are um, overhorsed or, um, you know, out of their depth. And it's not to say that they won't be able to do it. Um, it's just that they're not, it's not, it's not serving them at the, at that point, you know, like they, they need to have something else to get them through, we you know to get them to, them to that level um yeah and it, it's it, i mean that that breaks my heart a little bit i go and particularly you see it at the um dressage you don't tend to see it quite so much um in the eventing and the show jumping because people are quite uh, 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 yeah from from what i found is people are quite happy to ride the just the horses um whereas dressage everyone seems to want to go out and uh, i don't know perhaps they they spend a little bit more money but they want to be out there and be a little bit flashier and you just see these people just horrendously overhorsed um at dressage shows and it's it's sad i mean like because you know that you don't learn when you're scared um yeah. and 
yeah and it helps no one you have all these wonderful horses that never get past you know sort of elementary or medium because they don't have the right rider sitting on them and you think like if they'd got something like a a nice connie or something they that was really trainable they probably could produce that to wait and get way higher than like have the big flashy warm blood that has all the potential but is never going to realize it yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, like, and, and there's, there's two ways to look at it. Like, there's, there's, do that. Like, get a nice, a nice little crossbreed. You know, um, something with just a little bit more ordinary blood in it um, that they can train through. But then also, then once they've done that, then they can perhaps move on to the slightly more schooled or more ordinary warm blood because there's a big difference between warm blood and warm blood as well you know like you yeah. might get a nice uh, yeah, and and instead of buying the horse you know buying the say you got 20 grand to spend and you spend 20 grand on a flash as the four-year-old that's green as grass or you can spend 20 grand on the nice uh, elementary elementary going medium 10 year old that they can actually go out there and learn on and have some fun on yeah. And then go back and ride the hundred percent. You know? Like I, I will hold my hands up and I made the mistake a mare that we have Belinda. I thought that if I bought a horse that was really well bred to be a show jumper, she's like seventeen hands, really flash. She was four, I think, when we bought her. I was like, oh well, I'll be able to show jump then because I was game as anything. But I mean, I realised mm. that yeah, this pro guy can jump the horse but the horse very quickly went well you haven't got a fucking clue and you can't see a stride like with a white stick so <laughs> yeah like bugger that for a game of cards and I found that my, I was jumping a lot more fences solo than one would wish for um so yeah I'm a hundred percent you know I I then went out and bought myself a horse who has been there and done it and is kind you know and I'll learn on him and now yeah. I'm able to buy the babies um but yeah, I, I made that decision and suffered God knows how many arena surfaces as a result of that. So yeah, I, yeah. do you have anything that you, I'm trying to just get as much knowledge as, and tips as we can. Um, do you have anything that you really look for in horses when you go out to buy them? For me, I, I mean, yeah, looking for a dressage horse, probably the biggest thing I like to, uh, yeah, I, I throw my leg over and I know it's my horse. So it's that feeling of belonging in, in the saddle. Um, not necessarily, it doesn't need, uh, yeah, just feeling safe up there. And I like that sort of feeling of trainability and being able to, uh, for it to respond, you know, like I get on there and for to, and to be able to move it around and for for you know it, it to actually respond to me to try and even if it doesn't understand what I'm asking it needs to be uh, it needs to be trying to answer a question and so yeah so for me rideability trainability um temperament is um is probably the higher the biggest thing I you know as a type I like a um smaller horse I don't like to I, I the whole sort of massive rangy thing doesn't does nothing for me um I yeah I like a smaller horse I like it compact and yeah and naturally built uphill but I like a little sort of compact pocket rocket type horse yeah and do you have any tips that you sort of found like any exercises or anything that you would really use on the flat 
and that you really liked? All of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, waiting for you to well, say I'm... leg eels because Krista has a very difficult relationship, don't you, with, with leg eels? I do. I do. Well, actually, <laughs> I was talking, I talked about one that was just bizarre because um, I don't know whether you've seen any of the videos that I, I stick up on YouTube, which are just me ranting on the way into from we basically have a dirt track from our front door for five miles into um Cumnock. so um yeah uh, we live right up in the hills and um that's a Scotland. lot of ranting so yeah it's a lot of ranting so I'm so, but anyway I was talking about this exercise that I had a coach um and it was years ago this was golly um I was eventing at the time um I hadn't bought um gosh yet in fact when I I started taking gosh to her and she told me that he was going to be too good and I needed to move on to a different coach but um and she she was a Grand Prix rider herself so she was yeah but anyway we would um she had this exercise we used to spiral in on a circle and spiral out um but you did it uh from the leg but it had so it really got the horse around that inside leg um, and then it was, yeah, it was, it's kind of like leg yield, but on the circle in and out, uh, really good for having a horse around the inside leg, but also well straight on the circle. So having that hind leg, uh, following through underneath the shoulders, which, um, little Percy, um, doesn't deal with quite so well. He's a little, you know, like short stumpy legged Connemara and he doesn't, uh yeah he doesn't like going straight he likes to fall out through the outside shoulder so that's probably my that's probably one that I use a bit I mean like it's all variation of shoulder four I do a lot of um of keeping a horse straight uh, I think that's one thing that we don't that gets uh missed a lot yeah they sort of falling through the shoulders oh my goodness you shoulder are like you're so one of our people isn't she like we are obsessed shoulder shoulder four is 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 another one that i i I have a difficult relationship with for different reasons because i um when my gray mare was was doing quite a lot of dressage um before she had a health crap out um i trained with heike holstein the the irish rider and um heike is absolutely amazing she has a way of teaching that you know it it just demystifies it there's no bullshit she's very sort of straight and pragmatic with it but she just has this amazing way of communicating things that are so straightforward and easy to understand and she had had me doing shoulder in on the center line right and I had never done anything like this this horse come out of show jumping and I had never done anything like this before like I've done dressage up to sort of medium level before that like it's not that I had done shoulder in before but I had never like on my own horse done this I don't know why I thought it was like you know some kind of Olympic maneuver but nonetheless (laughs) I was doing center uh, shoulder in up the center line and I thought I was the dog's bollocks I was like Carl Hester (laughs) get out of the way look at me doing it because I didn't think I could and then she said do it and then we did it and we did do it and we could do it it was great and she said to me right come around again the next time go up 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 center line and shoulder four and I went what 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 shoulder what is shoulder four and she was just like, it's shoulder in, but less. And I was like, <laughs> oh, all right, okay, fine. I, I don't know if she teaches all of her riders like that. I'm sure she has proper, like, proper riders who actually understand what shoulder four is and she doesn't have to simplify it for idiots like me. But it was just, it was kind of funny. Because, like, I said, no, but it's, it's all a- bloody simple. That's a problem. Yeah. Is that people 
all these fancy things on it and it actually is all simple it's all about yeah it gets absolutely ridiculous if you're getting shoulder four or shoulder in up the center line that's even dressage riders, a lot of dressage riders rely on that, um, rely on our arena walls. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with getting a show jumper to go be able to do shoulder and shoulder uh, It was kind of fun, though, because like we, we did the national championships that year and everyone was doing the arena walk. And I, you know, both of the horses I had, they're both jumpers. And um, I was really enjoying my dressage masquerade, um, fraudulent masquerading, I felt I was, I was doing. But like everyone was in the arena walk and I was like, fuck, like maybe I should do like, is that there's something I'm missing here? I need to do the arena walk or whatever. And I know a lot of the dressage horses are really sharp and they're, you know, that's, they have to be that sharp to be that good. And so therefore they can be complete idiots. So I, I do, it's not like I don't understand why it's done, but I thought oh, I need to be one of the cool kids. So I like get up on my show jumpers and I went down to the arena walk and they were like, what what and you know they've been used to arenas stacked full of colored poles and plants and fucking everything and they were like what are we, what are we doing like grand yeah but like it's a dressage arena and i don't know what i was expecting i don't know it's a little bit more reaction you know make it feel like i'm cool I, you know, but that's so much as so much of that's bullshit. I mean, like people go out there and and they do they do it because they want to be one of the cool kids. And it's just like, for God's sake, I can tell you, I I could count on the fingers of one hand the amount of arena walks that I've done. It's like I wouldn't bother again. I want them to be here, you know. I want them to be, you know, I want them to be backing off. It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got (laughs) caught out walking the course because I walk. I mean. To be honest, I walk it because my my trainer would fucking rollick me if I didn't walk it because she thinks that I know the distances and that I am intending to ride the distances. However, I struggle to remember the course. So the distances is just more things that I can't yeah. comprehend. Like, so it, a very occasion. So when she says it was a good long five and you're going like, how many did I do down there again? Yeah. Oh, like occasionally it catches me out because sometimes say if she's been really busy and she hasn't had a chance to walk the course and she'll go, tell me the course. And I go like, one's the oxer, two's the fillers, three's the plank. And she'll go, how many, two to three? And I'm like, um, six. And she's like, I'll walk it. <laughs> um, because like, I just don't bother. And like, I was walking the course this time and this lad said to me, um, how many do you get down there? And I said to him, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really count. I'm making it look like I'm walking the course because my trainer <laughs> is at the side, but I, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm basically learning <laughs> where I'm supposed to go. Like other than that, I'm just looking cool. I'm doing the funny walk between the fences because everybody else is. <laughs> That's the Harry, Harry Charles actually had a, had a, I had a course coursework video up on TikTok this week, and he was like, you know, spot the spot all the GCT riders, and uh, they were all like exactly that, doing their funny walk, and they're all like in their beautiful riding attire oh. in the sun, yeah. and it's like I'd be I'd be down for that. I don't need to jump any jumps in the competition. I just like to go and look cool, but I never will look cool because I'm like you know short, wide, fat, old, so I never look, will look. Cool there is it. There is a show jump, but there's a, certainly a sunshine tour look, isn't there? You know, definitely. I'm, I'm living where I live in Ireland currently, not on my best day. Can I achieve it? Even if I was one of the beautiful people, because when you go outside, you are going to drown and get blown over, and you just can't. It's not achievable in yeah. in, in this this part of the world. Even if I got a long blonde ponytail extension, yeah. 
I'm still just, I'm not going to. And even if I walk the, the funny walk, they're, they're not going to buy like, it, are they? I'm like 30 years too old, you know? It's like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I you... limp. It's when it's a kind of shuffle hobble, it's just yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, the yeah, same, yeah, exactly. does it? <laughs> but I think riders, but then riders, like riders who've achieved a lot or got, got up to the level that you've got up to, they, they transcend that though. They don't need to do the cool kid shit because they're, they're like already, they've cool. they're past that. The cool yeah. kids now want to be where the knowledgeable riders who've done it all what are you know that's that's it so I think that's what happens you sort of transcend it yeah hiding hiding in my trunk like try not to vomit yeah I'm just like a whole new (laughs) segment (laughs) do you have any tips that you like for eventing any exercises like jumping or that you think are really useful oh god um don't ask me anything about cross country because I just close my eyes and kick um (laughs) (laughs) um the and I was very very fortunate a good very long time ago 25 years ago I spent a year but over a year um upstate New York in a hunter jumper bum sales bum um and a very very nice hunter jumper sales barn yeah we sold horses to um George Morris and Jen Hamilton and yeah a whole lot of um, Emil Spadone, and a whole lot of the big name American riders came through. Bruce Gooden actually came as a Kiwi show jumper came through. Over there too, but we had yeah we had a lot of really nice horses. And the guy there was absolutely legendary at having. We had, had a bunch of riders like myself. Um, most of them were better than me, but um, but we weren't. I mean, no, none of us were great riders. In fact, none of us have gone on to do very much um but and he was just great at putting up these grids that could teach a horse anything and just sending us down these amazing amazing gymnastic grids so I have got I've got all sorts up my sleeve for being able to um you know to to improve a front end to improve a back end to improve some reach to improve the bascule to um you know stop a horse rushing to get more confident um all those sorts of things I do think that um and I do think that probably we don't spend enough time doing gymnastic schooling on our horses little fences um, done well you know um actually looking at why you're putting them down that that grid yeah yeah whether it be sharpen them up what do we bounce in the middle we had a really good one actually that was good for getting them to getting getting the horses to rock back and then reach which was uh three three parallels one stri- uh, three oxes um one stride apart um with a placing rail a stride out at either end um and the front the first oxer would be very slightly ascending and the uh, second ox would be very slightly descending um, and you just send them down with the oxes small and um, reasonably narrow to start nice easy one stride and then you just gradually widen the oxes out you don't make them any bigger but you just gradually widen them out and so the horses learn that they have to um, they have to sit back because the distances are getting slightly shorter at the same time that they're having to stretch out over the oxes slightly more. Yeah. So it's really, really good one for um to just develop it and also gives them a does give them a lot of confidence and a lot of strength, but you don't want to be doing it too often. I honestly I feel like I could talk to you for like six hours. I'm just <laughs> 
I, I had a school teacher used to call me Chatterbox at primary school. So yeah. <laughs> I like ring you just on a weekly basis now and be like, just, just talking about like show jumping and eventing and just we chat. Yeah. Like yeah, you because we didn't even get onto the children. Thank God, because mine are terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the less said about mine, to be honest, this week, the better, because we've, we've yeah. not had a good week. Is it half term? Um, have you got them same, in half term? Same. So yeah, no, like well, next week is half, well, next week is half term for us, but like Katie, Same. for various reasons, we've also had a really, 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 really bad week. So yeah, uh, as you say, probably less said soon as mended. They're wonderful children are wonderful, but the logistics and the life that we have to mm-hmm. navigate around them can be challenging. Yeah. yeah, it just adds a dimension, really, doesn't it? About seventy-two of those, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And some, some of you, most of them you could never have predicted. Can we just, to finish off, can we do a really quick little game? Um, so it's just like a quick this or that. Mm-hmm. I say this, it's a quick one. Me and Krista played this game and it took the whole episode. <laughs> we Whole episode, yeah. It's a great to- length about everything. Mare or gelding? Gelding. I had to think about that, but gelding. Yeah, I'm gelding. Yeah, I like... Uh, I like a mirror. I like a mirror, but they just take that. Just, uh, just there's uh, issues sometimes. <laughs> Krista's a real mare girl, aren't you? But, I've got yeah. five mares. Bless you. No, no, oh, oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. It's just, <laughs> luckily, I'm very interested in psychology, human and horse. So mm. It's a, it's, it's a, every day. It's a school. You can day. do an episode on that. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't know. Everyone would fall asleep after five minutes. You'd be like, really great. That's really boring. <laughs> but uh, I like it. So. Yeah, I do too. Clipped or summer coat? Clipped. Sharp horse or cold horse? Sharp. Yeah, I, I sensed that. Indoor arena or outdoor <laughs> arena? Mm, I would kill for an indoor arena in Scotland at the moment, but I prefer to ride them outdoors. Yeah, I think we both said indoor, but I do, like I was on a yard with an indoor. I'm bloody, I'm, I'm making your answers slow. I've talked through my own one when I did this and now I'm doing it for you as well. Um, yeah, I was on a yard with an indoor and I definitely think that when the horse went outdoor, it was much spookier because it was so used to like not having any distractions when I rode him. Um, but also it's so wet here right now. Oh, I love, I mean, like, I love a good indoor. We had, a, and I had a beautiful one um, down in um, Wiltshire, last dressage yard I was at, I was at um, with uh, Henrietta Anderson and Ulrich Mulga, the da- Danish couple, well, she rides for um, Great Britain now, but, um, and they've got a beautiful indoor that they've built from scratch there. And it was just, and in the winter, it's just magical, but yeah. But I do prefer to ride outdoors. I, I, yeah, I prefer the space. Um, big horse or a small horse? You've already said this, haven't you? Small, yes. Yeah. I like a little pocket rocket. Show gear or everyday? Hmm. Everyday gear, I think. I don't, yeah. There's not much difference for me. I tend to ride in my, um, except for the... Um, you know, the jacket and the hat. <laughs> but yeah, I, d- I don't tend to flash it up too much. Are you matchy matchy or anything goes? Um, 
I am most definitely matchy. Oh, I am. And bling. Dressage look. Yeah, I've got all the blingy brow bands. I've got all the blingy brow bands. And um, I used to do matchy in all sorts of colours. I've now toned it down a bit because I got looked at sideways by too many people. So I've toned it down a little bit in all the colours. But um, but I am definitely matchy. Um, but I remember the first time I met uh, Dr. B, Dr. Becholsteimer, um, Laura's dad, just down at one of the local shows. We, I, one of the yards that I had was really close to where um, where they were in the Cotswolds, and I was competing against Laura in one of the classes, and and um, Dr. B was like. Well, I think you're just going to blind the judges with that one. <laughs> that's like, that's oh. the whole. That is the whole. Like that's the intention. Like <laughs> I said, yep, that's my plan. <laughs> yeah, grand. Mm. Uh, boots or bandages? Neither. Ooh. Mm. No, I go bare legged. Yeah, as much as possible. So yeah. I used to be a bandage girl all the time, um, but I've, oh, yeah. I mean, one of my businesses is in um, around horse health, and uh, there's been a lot of studies done recently about uh, the damage that the heat does to um, the tendons. Um, yeah, just by keeping them keeping them warm. I do put boots on if I. Um, if they're likely to strike themselves. So I put boots on for cross country. I put boots on for show jumping. Um, yeah, for jumping training. But um, yeah, I, I try to keep them as cool as possible and take them off as soon as possible. But yeah, yeah if I'm just schooling on the flat, unless I'm going to be doing some really intense, like PR for passage or that sort of stuff where they might stand on each other, then yeah. I would stand on themselves, then I'll, I'll put them on. But yeah, no, I think they do more harm than good so there you go that was a curveball mm, it was stable or turned out so I'll do a quick disclaimer this doesn't mean that if you say stable that you're never going to turn your horse out but you know just some people kind of like I love to see them in the stable all snug in the winter like all clipped and but equally my horses will always go out through the day but you know like some people just love them always being out we have to do a disclaimer otherwise we'll only be abused we'll get shot in our beds yeah. yeah in case we turn up remember poor daddy starwin told the world that she didn't turn her horses out and she almost didn't survive that yeah. so we just want to be really clear that that's not where we're coming from <laughs> this is as bad as bloody twitter it um, is. it's political yeah i okay so i have to say that um Living in the swamp country that we we are now call home, I do like the horses stabled, um, but I am a I am a great advocate for turnout. And in New Zealand, my horses lived out twenty four seven, so we just lived on the most amazing had the most amazing free draining soil. It was an old oh. riverbed, and um, in fact, our arena was simply. We just took the topsoil off and then um, put a little bit of tiny little bit of arena sand on the top of it. And that was my arena. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, God, that's but a yes. I know. Are you on clay now? Uh, no, we're, we're in Scotland. It's swamp. At like where <laughs> I'm on the borders, pretty much, and we're, we're yeah. on clay and it's just grim. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, like, it's just, it really is. 
I mean, we're in, well, actually, where we are, we're up in a state which where I live is um, like we're just on the moors, it just goes up for ever. Um, but it's bottomless at the moment. It's like, yeah, yeah you, you wouldn't be able to um, get a penetrometer reading. Um, where the horses are, yes, yeah, so they're currently, we had them turned out right up until Christmas, kept them in for a little while. Um, and then had them turned out again for a bit of January. But it's just, it's so wet at the moment. Um, so they are, they've, they've got a walker and they turn them out in the arena, which is grand as well. So they're getting a bit of a run and a buck and that sort of stuff. But I mean, you just do what you can. Lovely big boxes and you just deal with it. So, yeah. but definitely in winter, I've got a grey Connemara. There is yeah. nothing like being able to go there and just being able to give them a quick flick off and throw some gear on and go for a ride. Yeah. The mud, yeah, 100%. The mud is, I hate it. Yeah, it is. It's just, yeah. I reckon at the minute that we're of just working as earth movers, but like very slow, small diggers, because I'm washing like potentially acres of yes. clay <laughs> off my houses <laughs> when they come in yeah. from the field. Yeah, just all I'm doing is bringing it in with me, and I could just do it with a digger if I wanted to do it, like you know, <laughs> it's you know really I mean? efficient. Yeah, and like you use overreach boots, and if it's really, really wet, they come in and you take off the overreach boot, and there's like an inch circle of cl- like what? Oh God, I yeah. don't know where it, I wash it away. I don't know where it goes now. I presume eventually my yard will look like a field, and my field will look like a I don't know yard. I don't know. I just feel like I'm swapping it around. <laughs> so yeah, it's just disgusting. the next one is grey or bay. Oh, grey. Oh really? Except I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have had so many bay geldings in my time, and I, that was actually the one thing. Oh no, I, when I went to Germany to buy my young horse, I was like, got two things. I don't want to buy a bay, and I don't want to buy a stallion. And I came in with a bloody bay stallion. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. But I did say that I was not going to buy a grey until I could afford a groom. And I've got Percy, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. horses. Horses have a nice way of disproving whatever it is you're going on with, though, don't they? You can yeah. have all the theories you want, and every single theory you have, they'll be like, "Oh, wait a minute, this yeah. just is how it is. That's what they do. Yeah. It's their primary exactly. role in life. They try and try and prove us wrong. They make us look silly. It's good. Mm. Keep us the humble. Next one. <laughs> I think you've answered this already. Bling or plain. Obviously, yeah, bling. Yeah. Oh, what about- bling. Yeah, if it's not nailed down, it gets more bling added. <laughs> <laughs> what about jump or flat? Uh, that's really difficult, that one. <laughs> you can say both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I would probably, yeah, no, I'd probably go for a jump. <laughs> yeah. Irish or continental? Irish or continental. Oh, well, I've got one of each at the moment, so that's really bloody useless, isn't oh, it? Yeah. <laughs> Dutch warm blood and a, and a, and a Connemara, who born and bred in, um, born and bred in Ireland. Um, yes. I would probably go for continental. Yes, unfortunately, but yes. <laughs> and what about brown or black tack? I am brown. I have got, so, and yeah, so my dressage saddles are both um, uh, both made to order because they don't produce many brown dressage saddles. And I've had they all my, yeah. yeah, and I've had all my 
um, bridles made to order as well because I've, uh, yeah. I came back from the States and in the States, so we did a lot of hunter jumper. We were in the hunter jumper yard and the, and the hunters, like they just, like, they hate black gear, like really yeah. detest black gear. They say it looks tacky and awful. So, um, yes. So I came back from there and I had this. I had this incredible prejudice against it when I got back to New Zealand. And so I started buying brown gear and I've just kept up with it. But it's, I'm, I say, I, the, I don't know that I've seen anyone else out on the Premier Leagues here with brown gear. Well, um, thank you so much. Honestly, like, I would love for you to come back on because I feel like I could just ask you so many, so many more questions. Um, we might be organized yeah is there um is there anywhere that people can can go to find you if they want to learn a bit more um probably the easiest here i don't have my personal um website up and running at the moment uh so yeah the galloping housewife is just the easiest uh put that into google you'll find uh gallopinghousewife.com is my website and um i just put galloping the galloping housewife into facebook or instagram and you'll find me on there that's amazing thank you so so much for talking to us um and we would love to have you back it would be amazing i would actually yeah i'd like to come back so maybe give it six months or so and we'll see you've got another whole got more to talk about no then. and I, I'm, you have to come back because we're very we're gonna be very we're all gonna be very keen now to keep up with your journey with percy i, I was just um, yeah and then you're gonna qualify for badminton grassroots and then we have a legit excuse to go to badminton and cheer you on so if you could uh, make that happen that would be great <laughs> no pressure it would be, that would be no dream. pressure it would be a dream yeah badminton's just like i'd love to up across in front of those house I remember as a little girl I said that I was going to go and ride at badminton and um yeah so I don't really give a shit it was only over 90 centimeters it's fine I'll <laughs> well, take that sorry just quickly even though I did say that um I just wanted to ask what your is your young horse is that a dressage horse yeah, he, he will be. He will be dressage. He is. Um, yes, no, he's very definitely dressage. So um, uh, fingers crossed. I, I, he's got all the talent. So I just hope we can get him well enough to get going with him. It's like, yeah. <sighs> but anyway, yeah. it's horses, isn't it? Yeah, is it not really. horses <laughs> and children? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank yeah. you, though. Cool. It's been it's been amazing. I said we can all we're all going to really look forward to following your journey. Um, um, as as we've already said several times, we absolutely love your posts. So please keep lots of those coming. Um, yeah. you're you're doing a lot for a lot of people. Um, which is which is fantastic. Cool. Thank you for that. Awesome. Thank nice you. to meet you guys. Yeah. You Take too. care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. We really hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. We absolutely adored that chat um and we are really looking forward to speaking to you again next time so thank you so much for listening and bye, bye.